week we talked about the fact that Christ, the most important gift that Christ gave us was himself for us. The most important thing that, that he gave us was himself. And then as we talked about last week in, in uh, Ephesians 4, uh, he gave the church five different gifts. And those gifts are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Uh, now, I want you to, to watch this, because a few weeks ago we had a group that went to Mexico, and um, they were actually living out what it looks like to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, and a teacher, helping people in Mexico understand the fact that Christ gave himself first for us. So check out our screens this morning. Siete, 
Muchas gracias a todos. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. A todos, muchas gracias. Se dice gracias, señor. Chiavi, gracias. Ya, ya. Ya, ya. See, I mean, that is a, a great display of the amazing hand of God at work in the lives of people. Uh, those folks were the apostles. They were the prophets. They were the evangelists. They were the people who brought the word of God into the lives of others. See, and without each of those people on that trip, there would have been something missing. If each one had not been there, now, now they may not have realized it because, well, you don't know what you don't have, Right? But because they were, if that team reflects on it, it, would have, it, would, it just wouldn't have been complete. So it's like putting together a, a big puzzle. And on your tables, there are some puzzle pieces. Uh, I know some of you who are, are bored have been working on those already, uh, and that's okay. Uh, but they are just random pieces. They're all part of one giant puzzle, and we're going to talk about that uh, here in just a few minutes. But uh, how many of you have ever put a puzzle together? Right? I mean, all of us have, right? Uh, and if you don't have all of the pieces of the puzzle, what is it? What is it? You throw it in the trash because it's not complete. It's probably in a seat cushion somewhere on the couch. It probably got sucked up in the vacuum cleaner. Uh, I mean, there is no telling what that extra piece is. Uh, for me, I, I love to put puzzles together, but I have to get all of the straight edges first. Right? That's the right way to do it. If you don't do it that way, you're wrong. You got to get all the straight edges first, match that thing up so you build a framework, and then you find the stuff that matches the inside. But see, with, with, that is a, a great example of the church. See, we are a giant puzzle. We, uh, <laughs> I have a, a degree in clinical psychology, and, and we're also multiple personality disorder as a church. You know, there's a, there's a couple of hundred of you here this morning with all different types of personalities. No two of you are the same, because if two of you are the same, then one of you is not needed, right? So you don't have two puzzle pieces that, that are exactly the same, because you don't need two of the same. So if a puzzle piece is missing, there's something that's void. You see, the result of working out our obedience to God and, and working together is the perfect fitting together of this jigsaw puzzle that is the church. If you take from last week, and if you weren't here last week, it's online, you can listen to it. If you take the roles of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers seriously, and you work to, to, to perform their function, which is equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, or we talked about this uh, up on your screen, it's also in your notes this morning, your responsibility, this is a different translation of that verse, your responsibility is to make people what they ought to be and promote each other's growth in Christian wisdom for the living body of Christ. If we can do those things, then there is a result of that. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians 4, verse 14. If not, it's on your handout. Uh, we don't have them up on the screen today because I wanted to make sure that you were able to take these home with you uh, and look at them. So let's look at that together. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Okay. 
It's an if-then statement. If you do these things, if you live these things out, if you work hard together then, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak what? The truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body what? For it fit together how? Yeah. As each part does its own special work, it helps what? The other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, one of the advantages of actually living these things out in the church to actually adopting those roles that that God has given to you is that you will become more mature. That's your first write-in, fill-in blank. You will become more mature. Now, according to dictionary.com, Mature means these things. Complete in natural growth or development, as, a, as in a plant or an animal. Ripe as fruit or fully aged cheese, such as cheese and wine. Amen. <laughs> Pertaining to or characteristic of full development. Completed, perfected, or elaborated in full by the mind. And finally, fully developed in body or mind as in a person. Now see, Paul says, if we do these things, then we will not be immature, which is obviously the opposite of mature. We will be fully developed in our mind and body, unlike what a small child is. Did you know that, that when you grow in the womb, um, you grow, and it's called cephalocaudal monoxyl distal. Yeah, see, I did go to seminary. Write that down. It's called cephalocaudal monoxyl distal, meaning that the first thing that forms is what? Your head, the cerebrum. And then you develop down and your core develops first, and then what comes later? Cephalocaudal monoxyl, meaning in the middle distal to the ends. So whenever we are first formed in the womb, our heads and minds are formed first. I think that's kind of important. Now see, if we become more mature, then we're not children anymore. Now we're all children of God, blah, blah, blah. But you know the difference. You're not a little guy or gal running back and forth and and getting kind of tossed around about the wind. Now if you think of kids, uh, they whine and bicker to get their own way, don't they? Yes. They, They want what they want and they want it now. Uh, They fight over petty things, correct? Toys, cars, whatever it is. Uh, I love this part. They hate their friends one day and want them to spend the night the next. (laughs) Makes no sense to me. I mean, uh, think about it. Your your kids, if you have kids, if you don't have kids and you are going to have kids, they're an emotional, mental roller coaster that depends on the day. But... That's the same way immature people, adults, act when it comes to their faith. Immature Christians whine and groan and bellyache and complain about their personal preference. 
and allow that to outweigh God's command of Christ to reach people. Immature Christians fight over petty, nonsensical things inside and outside the church rather than storming the gates of hell to depopulate Satan's zip code. Immature Christians don't like something the pastor says or aren't greeted the right way or don't receive the right card or note or aren't invited to the party someone was having or the list goes on. And they get mad and take their marbles and go home. Quit tithing, they leave the church altogether. See, immature Christians squabble over every petty thing. And then they find themselves running after new and interesting teaching that may not be Christ-centered but them-centered. They go wherever the wind takes them. Now, I'm going to be perfectly a thousand percent honest with you. What I just described, I don't know that I've seen witnessed and lived out here. I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. But in 15 years of ministry, what I just described to you is the norm. That's normal in church. What you have here and the, the culture pastor has created and the, the, the growing faith that you have, unfortunately, I think, is abnormal in a lot of ways, but abnormal in the church because I believe God is moving and breathing in and through you in ways that many of you don't understand but are honoring and glorifying to him. So for that, I commend you for the work that God is doing in you. Now, even if you're here for the very first time and have no idea what I'm talking about, you're part of, and Philip made this, you're never friends, you're family. You are part of this deal, so you better suck it up and get in it, because we're going, all right? Now, Paul uses this same language throughout Scripture as he is writing. It's half a dozen or so times. Uh, it's in Hebrews and, and Corinthians, and, and he's really always talking about maturity of your faith. He even writes, you have to wean yourself from the milk, okay, to eat solid food, uh, becoming mature in Christ. We looked at this uh, last week in Ephesians 4.13. It's in your notes, okay? This, which is the building up of the church, uh, the work of the five gifts of the Spirit, okay, will continue until we what? All. Not just some, not just a, a small group, not just Part of people until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge in God's Son that we will be made what? Mature, which is completed, perfected, fully developed in body and mind in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. If we grow in our maturing in Christ, we will not follow fancy teachings and be blown about here and there, and we won't squabble and, and do all the stupid things that normal church does. When we get angry over maybe some personal preferences or we, things just really don't sit well with us personally, we go, you know what? It's really not about me. It's about the kingdom. And I've had that witnessed here. You know, I've had folks come up to me uh, uh, over my last three years, and, and they're, they're, they're here every week, and one, uh, I've had probably half a dozen come up and, and look at me and go, you know what, I, I really need to apologize to you. And my first thought is, oh, Lord, what have I done again? <laughs> but 
It's irrelevant. And they, they, they just have looked at me, and again, about half a dozen times, you know what, I, just, I have thought these things, and, and I realized they were untrue, and I just want you to forgive me. And I'm like, okay, great. That was fun. You're forgiven. Because I have no idea. But, but they're so mature that they didn't get upset and take their marbles and go home. If we grow in our maturity, we will stick together to advance the kingdom of God. And if we do that, uh, and we, the only way we can do that is if we are rooted in our faith and understanding of the gospel. You have to be rooted in your faith and understanding of the gospel. Someone who has grown mature in Christ has deep roots in his word. Uh, and, and I also believe that, that you may not have as much Bible knowledge as you think that you need, or as much as you want, but you have as much as you need for now. You have as much as you need for now. Even if you have no idea, you've never opened it up. Uh, I started seminary having no idea about Scripture. I did not know Luke wrote the book of Acts. I didn't understand that there were four Gospels. I, I didn't know anything. And it was good because I didn't come into to that situation with any preconceived notions. I had no clue what I was doing, and some still think that is true today. <laughs> but you see, I, I spoke about this a few weeks ago in chapter 3, uh, and it's in your notes. Ephesians three sixteen and 17 says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Let's read that last little bit together. Your roots, did you hear that? Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. We talked about our need to be round, uh, rooted and grounded and strengthened because you have to grow which way? Down in order to grow up. You cannot grow up in Christ if you are not rooted and grounded. It is such an important thought that, that Paul mentions it within just these few verses. Uh, I mean, it, the same concept is, is right here with just in a, in a few verses, and he also talks about it in Colossians 2, and that's also in your, your handout. He says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. I love that. If you're hungry and you're tired, there's only one place where you can gain that spiritual nourishment and nutrition, and that is from God, period. See, as we grow in maturity with Christ, we become more rooted and grounded in our faith, and we have a greater understanding of the gospel. Uh, the, the, the more we grow, the deeper our roots sink into his marvelous love, the more we understand about him and the more that, that we will know the truth. That's the next fill-in. The, the, the stronger you become, the more rooted you are, uh, the longer you spend in it, the more you will know the truth. We will not follow crazy teachings of others. Uh, we... We will look at things on television or read them in the newspaper uh, about society or wor our world or 
people who claim to be Christian and picket soldiers' funerals, people who claim to love God and hold signs up that God hates people who are not like them. That's Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas, by the way. And uh, I lived uh, in youth ministry. We were about an hour. I lived about an hour from there, and we were part of a Baptist church. And any time I made mention that I was from a Baptist church, people automatically assumed, and you know what assume means, that we were part of the same group. And we would have to spend hours explaining that they're idiots. They don't understand. Scripture says as soon as you place judgment on somebody else, guess what? You come under my judgment, God says. The more that we grow into Christ Jesus, the more we will begin to understand and follow his truth. There are so many teachings that are maybe just one or two degrees off. Just one or two. Kabbalah maybe one. Uh, for me, the most prevalent is, is uh, Mormon teaching. They, they claim to be Christian. But it's just, it's just a, a degree or, or two or three or ten off. Do you have any idea how much of a difference that makes? You, let's, we're all going to go get on a plane, and we're going to fly from San Francisco to San Francisco, nonstop, going east. We're just going to get in and we're, just pretend with me for a minute. And we've set, the, we've set the course, it's right on deal, but, but somebody has messed with it, the guy in, in the cockpit didn't get it right, and we're just one degree off to the south. Just one degree. If that's the case, we would end up in Tijuana, Mexico. There's a difference. One degree. Two degrees were in, in Central America. Three degrees were in South America. Four degrees, we are in the Antarctic. You see what I'm saying? It, it, just a little bit off. Just a little bit off makes all the difference. You see, that truth is, is God-honoring. It's one of those things that, that, that folks try to pretend and, and push upon us. And, oh, hey, you need this little string, or you need this little amulet, or you need this, uh, these beads that you rub in your hand. You, you need these things in order to understand God. That is not necessarily true. Isaiah writes about it in, in chapter 41, and, and again, I put all the scripture in your, in your deal so you'd have them. Uh, Isaiah writes this, he says, uh, uh, oh, let me back up. Those teachings that are just one degree off, it, it doesn't end up in miles of difference on a map, it ends up in the difference in, in, in eternity. That's a bigger deal. And the more we grow, the more we understand that the, the deeper our roots become, the stronger we are, the more we can, can listen for and understand truth. And we don't need the things. I, I love Isaiah 41. He writes this. Present the, this is God saying. Present the case for your idols, says the Lord. Let them show what they can do, says the king of Israel. Let them try to tell us what happened long ago so that we may consider the evidence. I can just hear God's mocking voice. 
Or let them tell us what the future holds so we can know what's going to happen. Yes, tell us what will occur in the days ahead. Then we will know you are God's. And then he says this, in fact, do anything, good or bad. Do something that will amaze and frighten us. In verse 24, he says, but no, you are less than nothing and can do nothing at all. And then that last phrase. Those who choose you pollute themselves. No pressure. You see, Jesus is truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and there ain't no other way to daddy but through me. Paraphrase. Obeying his commands is truth. Loving people. That's a challenge, isn't it? I'm, I'm reading a book Pastor gave us. It's called uh, a Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness, and I hate this book. I'm 30 pages in it, and it is completely just, it's crazy, good, uh, about how the, if, if we could just love people, think of the difference that that could make. If we didn't care what they looked like or smelled like or even act like, we just love them. We don't condone everything in their lives, but we just love them unconditionally. Our world would change. See, reaching others for him is truth. This is another truth. He loves you right where you are. And this is another truth. He loves you too much to leave you there. No matter where you are in this journey with Christ... God desires more with you. Did you hear that? Not necessarily from you, but God desires more with you. See, the more we grow in this way, the, the deeper we become, uh, the, the better we grow in Christ. Uh, the more we come to understand what truth is and, and how to live in that truth, the more we will grow in it and greatly enough, the next fill-in is the more we will grow, uh, we will grow to be more like Christ. See, we need to understand that, that we can grow to be more like Christ, but we cannot become as Christ. You will mess up. Newsflash. You will sin. You will break some kind of rule in the, in the cosmology of God, and you may not really realize it at times. Uh, it may be how you treat your wife or your husband or your kids or your family that may be not honoring to God. So, so the ultimate goal is to be more like Christ, but we will never be sinless. But our goal is to sin less. A friend of mine uh, on Facebook, I put that quote on Facebook this morning. Uh, he lives in Kansas. We were youth pastors together. And, and he wrote basically, because uh, I, I put our goal ought to, uh, to be more like Christ. We'll never be sinless, but to sin less. And he wrote back, he goes, that's God's goal for us too. 
is not just our goal. That is God's goal for us. It says it's in here. To become more like me. To sin less. We will never be sinless. A couple of weeks ago, in that same kind of vein, Pastor uh, mentioned that humility, this is the best definition of humility I've ever heard. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. You should probably write that down. In my humble opinion. Humility is not thinking of yourself uh, less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. What would it look like if we loved people and thought more about others than we do ourselves? Husbands, what would that look like if that was modeled in your relationship with your spouse? Wives, what would that look like in relationship to your husbands? Singles, how would that relate to those people around you and how you relate to your family? Kids, teenagers, you're in here. How would that look to your parents? It would change, it would rock their world. To think less of ourselves less and to grow to become and sin less will change our lives and our world. Second Peter, again, it's in there. Second Peter 1, verse 5 through 8 says this. In view of all this, and he's, uh, Peter's kind of writing some of the similar type things. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Did you hear that? Respond to God's promises. God has already laid out promises for you. Uh, you need to respond to those and believe in them. He says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence. What if we lived with moral excellence? You see, I mean, you see how this all ties together? Then, then that would, uh, moral excellence results in knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with the word I hate, patient, endurance, and patient Endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for whom? I don't mess us up. If we begin to do that, it'll mess us up. And then verse 8, it says this. The more you grow like this, the what? Do you hear that? The more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you stay where you are, I, I could extrapolate from this scripture, if you stay where you are, you are not nearly as useful to the kingdom of God as you could be. If you are not willing to grow and move beyond yourself, humbling yourself, working at sinning less, you are not going to be nearly as useful to the kingdom as God wants you to be. You see, the more mature we become, maturity then leads to this, this rooted and groundedness in our faith, and that provides a greater understanding of the gospel. If we do that, then the more that we know truth, if we're growing and, and growing deep, the more we know truth, the more truth we know, the more Christ-like we become, 
And once we become that way, we will help each other become healthy and growing and loving. We will help each other become healthy and growing and loving. I, I really hope that uh, at least over the, today, and especially over the last couple of weeks, you kind of see this progression. Because if, if Paul starts it out, if we... See, that's an important word. If and but are two of the most important words, I think, in Scripture. If we embrace and act out the gifts that Christ has given the church. The more we will grow as individuals, and the more that we grow as individuals, the more we grow as a church. And I'm not just talking numbers growth, but spiritual growth. Growth in the love for other people. And I think we are well on our way to doing that. We are well on our way to continue to, to, to grow healthy and loving and stronger, not just numerically, but spiritually and in our love for people. You see, you and me, we need each other. We can, you can grow in Christ on your own. But if you do it isolated, Pastor mentioned this probably a month ago, you become kooky. You just get squirrely and start believing and thinking whatever you want. See, we can grow in Christ on our own, but we cannot become full in Christ without the help of others. Pushing us along, challenging us, holding us accountable, and more importantly, loving us. When we help each other, if we've adopted the understanding of those five gifts that are given to the church, Paul talks about individual gifts that he gives each one individually, but I think he gives these five blanket gifts to the church that uh, we talked about it last week, that each of us fall into one of those some well, where if we do that, we become healthy and growing and loving. And I think that is one of the goals for each of us. I don't think that there's anybody here this morning that does not want to be more healthy. And if you do, that's interesting. I'd love to talk to you, right? I think that every one of us wants to be more healthy physically and spiritually. It's a both and. I don't think there's one of us who doesn't want to be more healthy. I don't think that there's one person here that does not want to grow in their relationship with Christ or their relationship with other people. I don't, I don't think you'd be here if you're like, ah, I really don't care about growing in Jesus, and I frankly hate people and don't really want to grow in that. You're not going to come to church. I mean, you're not going to come here and, and listen to any kind of a message. So I don't think that there's one person here who doesn't want to become more loving to their family and to God. See, we're all, all in this deal together. Scripture tells us that we need each other to accomplish these things. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. 
And if we do this, the more we grow as individuals, the easier it is for, for this big puzzle to fit together more perfectly. And the more perfectly the puzzle fits together, the more we will influence our community and world for Christ. If you've been with us for any amount of time at all, you will recognize that phrase as the vision of Creekside. Take out your, your bulletins, your programs, whatever they are, and just open them up. Just real quick. It won't take you two seconds. It says, at the very top, it says, Welcome to Creekside. Influencing our community and world to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That is our goal. You are an integral piece of the puzzle. And without you as part of that puzzle, there will be a void. Something will be missing. It will be an incomplete work. With you, we can transform Martinez and beyond with the gospel message of Christ. Working together in the gifts that Christ has given the church, we can, we can point people in the direction of Jesus. It's not our job to save folks. It's our job to point people in the direction of Jesus. With all of the pieces of the puzzle coming together, we can influence our community and in transforming it for Jesus. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 talks about that. He says, basically, if you've got a gift, do it well. And do it for the honor and glory of God. Allow Christ to work in and through you so that he will be glorified and honored.